I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the On The Box Podcast, a television show podcast on the Anfield Index Podcast channel. Whew. I'm back again this week. Yeah, it's two in two weeks. Wow, fantastic. We're getting there. We're getting back into that that rhythm, that rhythm, yes. And this week we're going to cover an absolutely brilliant show, Master of None. And I can't really do this show without having somebody from New York. And the best person to get on from New York is the man from LFCNY, uh, the host of the American AI Podcast, or AI Podcast USA, whichever way you want to call it. It's Mr. Justin Wells. How are you doing, Just? Doing all right, Gags. Not, not only is it New York, I'm so hyper-local to this that I actually live down the block from where it's shot. That's so nuts, man. It's super, crazy. super hyper, hyper-local. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super. Like, there's no one better to come on this show than you. And then... Um, there's a debut as well today, DJ Jessel. How are you doing, DJ Jessel? I'm call, fine, thank you, guys. Jess, How are you? you Jess, is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's Makes good. it easier. But your debut, you contacted me on Twitter. We, you've, been, you've been commenting and listening to the shows for a long, long time. You've been commenting from, I don't know how long, years. Definitely years I've seen you, you on Twitter. And um, you said you love this show. So uh, I, I could feel the the vibe from me, how excited you were about it. So I said, come on then, let's do this. Yeah, I'm absolutely excited. And thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I've, I've been down with AI since pretty much week one or two of your inception, wow. pretty much. Wow. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm an OG, as they say. So you get, you get references to understanding if people ask, does he have the balls? Mm. That's the first That's show. A, that was the first, first show. The first yeah. show? Okay, maybe I'll show you number two then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first show he, he was does, Bre- does, Bre- does Brendan have the balls? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, God, Brendan. Yes, yes. Does he have the balls? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was not perfection in anticipation. Well done, Justin, for ruining that moment. But okay, we'll carry on. <laughs> so what we do is on the show, we always look at the television show that we're going to cover from a non-spoiler 
place so that the guys that are listening and the girls that are listening, sorry, uh, they can decide whether they actually want to watch this show or not. And let's try and sell it to them. So, you know what, Jessel, you're new. So tell me, non-spoiler wise, why did you, you know, what's so good about the show that they should watch it? Okay, so non-spoiler wise, um, Master of None, it's a kind of observational comedy Yet it has various episodes that are kind of more standalone ones, which have nothing to do with anything, pretty much. And um, I'd say it's occasionally hilarious. It's got a lot of deep emotion in it, but it also skillfully interweaves a lot of sitcom elements with almost kind of new school European cinema. It's bizarre. And it's something I've never really seen done before yet. And Netflix has a lot to do with that because they basically just throw money at whoever they want and let them do what they want. And uh, it's quite an appealing way of doing things. They kind of leave the creativity to the people who know best. And uh, as is Ansari, he was someone it took me a long time to warm to, I guess. My brother kind of introduced me to him a long time ago in a stand-up. I didn't think he was very funny. Um, but then I kind of noticed him more along the years, and uh, he's done a sterling job, it must be said, with Master of None. It's exceeded all of my expectations. And, um, I mean, I guess what I'd say is the first season is kind of like, I'm, I'm a music guy, so I'd equate it to a debut album from a band where every song is basically like at least a 7 out of 10, it's solid. And then you've got like three or four songs which are incredible, like the big singles. And then the second album, which is season two, is absolutely brilliant like almost every song is just i'd say pretty close to perfection and um you know each episode is basically half an hour so you're not taking a gigantic risk with your time the whole like gags was saying yesterday when we were kind of talking the whole thing is basically about five hours for a season which you can kind of smash through in one night if you're really dedicated and um and yeah that's pretty much it um i mean it kind of interviews a lot of things for I'd care, I kind of say like the millennial generation as well. And, um, and there's quite a lot of interesting things regarding races who don't normally get a lot of representation on TV, like brown people and Asian people and African people. So I think there's something for everyone there, definitely. It's definitely worth the watch. I totally agree. I don't think it throws it in your face as well, the, the Indianness. So they, they dedicate a couple of episodes here and there to it. And what that does is, um, it, it did for me anyway. It, it kind of, it kind of hooked me in because you can relate to it. So if you're an Indian that's born, you know, abroad, like like so, British Asians, for example, or or, or, or just say Asians, not just Indians. Um, you know, you can so relate to the things that they're saying, they're doing, the parents, how they behave, what happens, and it just it's just brilliant because I actually feel like he's telling you know, his life story or or at least playing on stories he's heard or experienced through friends or whatever. These, these are he's writing it, isn't he? Him and his him and his friend Alan Yang, they're they're writing this they work together, I think, on uh, Parks and Rec is it as well. So it's um it's so good. So interesting how he does everything in this and being the star, I I, I immediately you said it took you a while. I found him hilarious immediately. Justin, I don't know what you think, but I totally find him just brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I love him. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, the the humor of he's from where I am. A lot of the cultural references are very similar. 
Uh, I was a big fan of Parks and Rec. I was a big fan of his stand-up. So the show itself was just a natural transition to watch. And it by the time I had started watching it, which was probably about like two or three weeks after season one had come onto Netflix, it already had like a decent critical response. And I don't like not watching something that doesn't ha- that, that seems like it's at least a phenomena of my particular generation because then I feel left out of conversation. So in watching it, I, I was really able to identify with a lot of, cause as I mentioned, a lot of it shot where I am. Um, I myself am not of Asian descent. I am, I'm a Jewish kid from New York, but my girlfriend is of Asian descent. She's uh, her parents are from Maharashtra in India and she was born here. So there's the seeing her parents versus seeing Aziz's parents. Now, Aziz's father is a lot funnier than my girlfriend's father. Uh, if he ever listens to this, <laughs> I'm apo- I, I, I apologize, Shriram, but um, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's, he's funnier than you. But so I, there's a lot that I just kind of grasp that I'm able to identify with. And I also just think that it's extremely well written. It's extremely well shot. It's extremely sharp. So it's naturally something I would gravitate towards. And like, uh, like DJ just said, it's, it's only five, a five hour commitment and you can power through it in one day. Uh, season two, I actually watched in one day all last Saturday, but that's just because the weather in the Northeastern United States last Saturday was particularly awful. So if you're kind of in my generation and you grew up in the U S really kind of the Northeastern U S you're going to probably understand a lot of the references. I I even think that if you're just, you know, if, if you're just in this generation, a lot of it, you'll, you'll, you'll strike a chord with, you will. I just think if you're in the generation now, uh, as, as, as is this age, I think there's a lot that you can relate to a lot. And if you've gone to America a lot as well and visited a lot, you'll, you'll really love it. You really enjoy it. And it's just dead funny. Like some of the stuff he says about, well, wait up. If you have kids and stuff like this, how, how, how am I going to get time to go and eat pasta? You know, how am I going to eat, how am I going to get time to go and eat? Like just, it's just so stupid at times, but it's just dead funny. And I just, um, I, I was drawn into it immediately because obviously, some of the first episodes were like about religion, not religion. I think it was about parents and kids and stuff like that. The first few, and they were just so well done, so funny as well. And uh, it, it was, it was, it was really, really good. Anything else you guys want to add in terms of non-spoiler? Um, if I can jump in, I think Aziz Ansari. I mean, you guys were kind of, I guess, more fans for a long time. For me, I kind of caught up on Parks and Rec quite recently, about a couple of years ago. And um, I think with him, he's very brave in this particular show because he's not always likable. There are times when you're looking at him, you're thinking, there's times when I like you and there's times when you're just such a childish dick. And it's just like, come on, man, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but actually, it's very brave to portray yourself like that, especially when you're writing and directing it, because there is that temptation to, you know, make yourself look good from all angles at all times and give yourself the best scenes and all this kind of stuff. But he doesn't do that at all. He, it's kind of like a team game almost. And I, I guess Alan Yang must have a lot to do with that as well, because you, you generally need two when you're writing something great you know and um, whether whether it's like lenin and mccartney or the neptunes you know it's kind of that kind of thing i think there's a lot of teamwork between them so um yeah there's I, I think quite a that, few writers there's a there's a other there's a whole other list of writers as well that are involved i mean these two are the main two but they have a team 
of writers too. So I think you need it to get some of the sensibilities in, you know, Italy and stuff. And, and then obviously different types of people that are in that, you know, you won't know everything, will you, in terms of um, cultures and whatever, you've got to get other people, the writers in to try and understand stories. And make, because I think they nail everything. They really do nail the majority of things that's in this show. I, I, I don't actually look back and go, you know what? That's just totally bollocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's nothing. It's but not, I think there's also, it. it's also that, you know, you bring up Aziz Ansari. Like, I'm a fan of what I knew of Aziz Ansari before this, which is his stand-up routine and Parks and Rec and other bit parts he's done in things like, you know, Randy and Funny People. But that's not really who he is. That's him doing characters. And even up through his stand-up, it's still a character to a point. I mean, making jokes about... Uh, I don't, and I'm uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit of his stand-up that's not related to this because it's been out for seven or eight years. And if you haven't seen it at this point, the statute of limitations on spoilers on that piece has run out. But, you know, his stand-up is things like talking about going to see an R. Kelly concert and having sex with an invisible – an R. Kelly having sex with an invisible woman or going to Kanye's house afterwards and being – after a Kanye show – and being asked to do jokes at an after party. Like those are experiences that not a ton of people have. You don't really get a glimpse into how he's actually thinking. These are just good comedic situations. I think with master of none, there's the element of comedy because there is some very funny aspects to it, but there's a lot more of an aspect of this is more of who I am and how I grew up. Like Dev Shah, Aziz's character is so th- is, is a very thinly veiled version of Aziz. Yeah, definitely. He's. I think, like, like I said, I think he's basing a lot of the a lot of the storyline of the show is on is on his experiences because when talking about a season three, he's actually come out and said that I need to go and experience something else before I can write another season of this because I don't know where else I can go. Like, I need to go and get married and have a child or something like that, and then come back and write, which is then a two year, three year gap because he's like. I need to experience something else in life because I don't, I don't have anything else to give. So if you're looking for a season three, by the way, it's probably not going to happen for a long, long time <laughs> on this show. So it, 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 it kind of comes across like, you know, he's just putting it all out there, everything out there in terms of all of experiences. And it's really, really cool and really, really good. And I think what I want to say is just going to uh, finish the non-spoiler section and going into some stats. So, not too much, really. Still some para, para analytic stuff. Great, great of them to send me um, some stats this week. Basically, we talk about demand expression. You know, the demand about this particular title in a market. So he, I've got US and UK this week, which is great. Thank you so much. It was uh, Samuel who sent it to me from Power Analytics. Really appreciate this. And in the last week or so, obviously it's only just come out. There's been a massive massive jump in demand i mean there's like nine million people in the u.s either tweeting so these demand expressions aren't just people that are watching it includes tweets blogs like everything in terms of how many mentions it's getting here and there how popular it is on a weekly basis so nine million demand expressions for master of none yeah last week so it's mental that's gone up. that's in the usa nine million in the last week that's mad and then in the UK, it's at 1.5 million. So demand expressions in the UK, 1.5. That, that's pretty impressive as well, if you ask me, <laughs> for Master of None. Uh, Netflix are absolutely hammering it. So, yeah, it's doing really well. If you look at all the ratings of this, like Rotten Tomatoes gave it 100% for both seasons so far, I think. It's 
it's crazy. I don't think there's anyone that's hated it in terms of a reviewer. So, you know what? If you're if you're listening in and you're looking at this, this is a really popular show at the moment. It's a, it, it, the first season was really critically acclaimed. The only reason why I watched it last year and late last year was because whenever I went on Netflix, it was there and it was five stars. And then I went and researched it and it was like, yeah, this is amazing. This is great. I think Justin even mentioned it to me. You've got to watch this show. It's really good. And when I did watch it, I just thought, wow, this is fantastic. And if you want to know all about the second season as well, we're going to talk about it in a second. So this is the point, guys, where you should really jump off the call sorry not the call guys stay stay jump off the pod <laughs> what you're listening to and go and go and watch this show and then come back and and get the rest of this because we're going to totally spoil every storyline and all the characters and i think that's a great place to start guys so we'll see you in a bit but justin jess let's talk about the characters because it's not just aziz in this it's not just dev right the next one i think i I go to or, or gravitate towards is is Ar- is it Arnold? Is it his mate? Yeah, that's... yeah. Because Eric is. How, I don't know how to say his surname. Eric Eric Wareheim. Wareheim. He actually directs. Uh, he's directed like five episodes as well. So you know he's a really big part of this show, not just an actor but also director. So I actually think he's also hilarious. Some people may just actually hate him, but there's some really epic scenes of his. <laughs> and there's one, I don't know if you guys remember this one, the one on the sofa, when he's with Rachel, who's um, who's who's Dev's, Dev's girlfriend, and she needs some help in type in, in terms of, you know, bargaining to, to buy a sofa. I don't know, can you remember that? Oh yeah, it's from the, in the, in the um, late middle of the first season. Yeah, yeah, and basically he goes to her, he's really like, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be the bad cop and you're going to be the good cop and when he goes in he just behaves like a crazy person and she has to sell she has to sell it to the guy who's selling as if he's mental but that's what, that's he what i love brilliant. about him he, he was brilliant was so he's the funny. comic relief he there's, so there's there's very little that you see from him in the show where he's actually forced to put on a really really serious face uh, i i can really kind of only think of one spot which is uh the wedding they go to in in Italy in the in the second season, which is his ex girlfriend's wedding, where you know she marries a man who looks exactly like him. It's kind of like the clop mini clop thing. It's so, but, fun. uh, <laughs> it's so funny. It is so funny. He goes, "He's marrying mini me." <laughs> <laughs> but even but, if you just look at him, I mean, he's just hilarious to look at. He, how tall is that guy? He must be at least six eight, right? Six. He's uh, about six seven, six eight. Six seven. Yeah, and and he's just hilarious. He's, he's big guy he's got a gigantic beard him and Aziz are friends in real life as well and and you can tell that on-screen chemistry is real and you're you're right he doesn't really have too many serious moments but you just look at him and he brings this sense of comic relief to the screen he doesn't even have to say anything half the time and they have all these stupid in jokes and they you know they'll start singing random chants to each other about food and stuff like that and there's times when you're like okay you know I'm being excluded from this. And there's other times you're like, this is just hilarious. <laughs> so he's definitely welcome. He is, he's a very funny character indeed, especially when he gets stuck in a Fiat in Italy and can't get out of the sunroof. So it's one of the weird uh, themes that I've noticed in this show is about friendship. And it kind of goes back to the first season and when the show was written, uh, the original, the original intent for the show was actually going to be co-written between a season. Sorry. And then Alan Yang, and then also Harris Whittles, who's an American comedian who, 
who died pre- right before the show. Him and Aziz were actually going to move to New York together to start filming, to start working on something. And it's I, I find that a lot of the elements of friendship that Aziz is working through in the show is also kind of a play on the fact that he does feel some sort of loss from losing a really close friend of his right before the show started. Wow, didn't know that. That's uh, quite sad as well, you know. There's, I don't know, there's more of um, a rom-com feel to the second season. A far more rom-com. I think this. Uh, I think the first season is is just. I kind of. I don't know. It's it's not romantic. It's just telling you what happens in a relationship, really, isn't it? The, towards the end, anyway. The last two episodes is just pure. You know, this is what happens when you when you're with someone, and, and it kind of breaks down a little bit. But the the second one's more. He's after this girl, and he wants it, and it's more of a. I I, I found the second season to be more much more much more romantic comedy. I don't know if you agree with that, Jess. I think it. <laughs> When I watched it, I was like, yeah, I think you're right. But then I went back and watched season one again because I've become completely obsessed over the past week. And uh, and then I started watching season two again. So I've basically, in the last week, watched season two twice and season two once. And I never do that about any kind of show. And um, it, it's interesting. There are still actually quite a few set-piece, standalone episodes in season two. You know, there's the one which is New York, oh I Love God. You, oh which was God. incredible. Yeah, this, this and, uh, and there's also the one which is thanksgiving which is about his friend denise. and uh That's denise fantastic yeah. as well is I, is the new york i love you one with the the people that are, are, are deaf as well yeah yes. that is so good so have you ever good. seen that in anything ever i mean no. like where they just cut the sound for like what 10 minutes or something they he's just cut only it. in it for one second at the end and it fits all together it's hilarious it's fucking hilarious when i see his face and then i see the other guy's face who's 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 had it spoiled the, the story spoiled i'm just i'm just creasing <laughs> And that's well, what I, I mean. Also... I, I think there's a lot of representation for people who don't normally get that kind of shine, yeah. like a Rwandan immigrant who's a taxi driver. When is the last time he, someone like that, would get ten minutes of prime time on Netflix? Never. They just wouldn't, you know. Or, or even like, like you know, the deaf girl who, and they just cut the sound out for ten minutes. Again, that's a statement. That's saying, look, these people matter as much as Aziz Ansari, and they kill it. They're brilliant in that episode. Oh my god, the deaf girl. Wait, <laughs> When the woman comes up to her in the shop and says, my children understand sign language, please stop saying vagina. And they're running around quoting her. (laughs) Oh, no. That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So I, I, once again, they're just, you know, providing the relevance of where, of where these things are, exactly where that shop is. It's uh, Fish's Eddie near Union Square in, uh, in Manhattan. I could see that conversation happening in there. That's probably actually happened in there before. Mad, mad, Justin. I mean, what did you think, Justin? Out of uh, you know, the, the, let's, let's the New York th- "I Love You" episode was my favorite one in the yeah. season. I'm, I'm like being totally because of the fact that I'm not I even did, in it. You know, no one's in it. None of no, them are in it. I've been in the situation where I've had someone ruin a movie for me that everybody wanted to go see, and I still went to go see it, and it was a terrible experience because all the joy of the movie had been sucked out of it for me. And then also, I, I have tried getting into that club that they got rejected from, too. And that was a waste of time as well. <laughs> but is that a real I, club? It is. That is that is a real club called One Oak. Strangely enough, one of my friends from college actually DJed there on Saturday nights for about five or six years. Uh, wow. It's, it's a... It's a real, it's a, like a real, like, sceney place. Like, I don't really like going out to bars or clubs very, like, that very often because, they're, you know, they're too loud and there's too many people and I'm not good looking enough. But, uh, there's, <laughs> but it's just, uh, it, 
like that type of place, like the people who go in there are like, you know, professional athletes constantly are in there. Uh, one, a pitcher for the New York Mets, you know, had, had a rough day that where that was, you know, the scene of it last week. So they really do do a good job of actual location scouting on this show as far as types of places people would go and would not get into. And like one Oak is kind of one of those places. It's amazing. I mean, um, Let's talk more characters. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add on um, Arnold? Yeah, not really. I, th- I think he's. I think he's a pretty two-dimensional character, isn't he? He's not given the chance to. Like, he hasn't had his own episode yet or anything like that. Whereas Denise has, and um, so and well, his <laughs> Aziz's parents and Brian Yang's pe- uh, father have and stuff like that. But uh, but Arnold's not really had anything apart from maybe the sofa and even then he's really kind of like ott comic relief then isn't and he his, like and his granddad as well oh yeah of course yeah. oh his granddad is amazing yeah <laughs> okay yeah yeah i forgot about that one yeah, yeah his granddad. <laughs> he's in it more than all the only denise i think is probably in it more than arnold to be honest but i find him he's just like you said the comic relief he's always the one that's talking some shit and it just he, I, I I love him. I absolutely love him. Right then, okay, Justin. Next one, Denise. Your thoughts? Oh, Denise? I, I I loved it. She she is, I think, a character who I did not have a ton of time for earlier that, to the Thanksgiving episode, mainly because of the fact that she was just kind of there. You 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 get into the fact that you know Aziz's group of friends represent a wide swath of different cultures, you know, but black lesbianism is one that definitely does not get a ton of uh, play in major American or pretty much any real media. It's not like a widely seen fictional character. I mean, I'm trying to think of any, you know, widely known black lesbian characters I can think of from mainstream TV. And the only thing that comes to mind is Kima Greggs from the wire. uh, And it kind of, you know, it's it's not yeah. really a part of her personality that they explore in lengths of really trying to get to the roots of how she came from a child to this point. I thought the Thanksgiving episode where you really learn about Denise, her family, you know, what it's like for her to bring girls home, Dev always being there with her. It's it, I think you learn so much about her and you learn so much about some of the difficulties that uh that exist, I guess, in black culture for uh with being gay because i don't i mean I, I can't pretend to know what it's like to be black in america but i know that it's not exactly easy oh no not at all and it's and it's some insight into it isn't it and that's what that episode was so good about the thanksgiving one how you know over the years how her relationships were going and then in the end how the one that she bought the first time round, you know that there was a massive change towards her and it was so like it, it's most thankfully it was so awkward, wasn't it, to watch? You were like, "Oh!" Uh, and he and Aziz was hilarious because he would just like he would fuck nipples and up. toes twenty three <laughs> nipples. Hang on, it's that nipples and toes, toes. twenty three. Can you type it? Can you spell it? Yes, it's N I P. Oh my god! You're just like stop Aziz. <laughs> just brilliant, man! I just, it just, it, 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 like I said, they they brought across loads of things. Like obviously, it was a struggle for Denise. That's what she was struggling with. She was struggling with admitting it, coming out, and then also the mother not being able to accept it. It was really hard, but they, they showed it really well. But in the end, the way she said, I'm happy for you. It was such a beautiful scene, actually. It was a really, really nice scene. Done really well. Managed really well. Directed perfectly. I just thought, what a lovely end to, a, to, a, to that episode. Again, Aziz was just a side 
side side note in that episode really he wasn't the main main guy and i love that as well that you know they can take the main star and just sideline him for a bit it was just it was just great i mean yeah um, and i think with denise's character as well it's really rooted in reality because often i think lesbianism is kind of fetish what's the word fetishized is that the right word fetishes you know you know what i mean they kind of people make yeah, a fetish yeah. and and um whereas she's just a really kind of down-to-earth straight talking friend of his who doesn't take any shit who's always on his back about stuff and and it's almost like the lesbianism is secondary unless she brings it up and then you see it through her own eyes not kind of what i guess hollywood would kind of normally make it so she's quite a, a kind of new unique character and i don't think her character was supposed to be um, like black or gay but then they ended up rewriting the whole thing so um so I think I think that's that's quite interesting. You, you don't again. This is something you don't really see. Like Justin was saying, you don't really see a lot of it, you know. So um, I, I think it's kind of just breaking down boundaries, isn't it? It is definitely. And in the first season, you don't get to know much of her. You just see her as this hard, you know, this 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 character that's just one of his friends that's really got an attitude all the time and just knows. You know, she's the one who will talk shit to. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and tell him straight, like you know. <laughs> I think in this, uh, uh, in this in this season, she took him to a party and stuff, and she <laughs> she was like, "You're my friend. Why can't you go? I want you to meet my colleagues." And then when you got there, yeah, that was thanks to one, wasn't it? Yeah, see you later, mate. I've got to go pull this girl. <laughs> just just too funny. She had some funny parts to her as well, but she's mainly just like she's got no humor, has she? There's no. It's just whatever, whatever, Dev, whatever. She's not. It's like that's all Arnold. But then Brian, now he wasn't in the season season two very much at all. Like really sparingly, nice. wasn't he? Yeah. But I didn't really, I didn't really get much from him anyway. Jess, in terms of season one, like uh, his dad was better than him. Like as a character, yeah, funnier. I agree. I mean, he's he's barely on it. He's in Parents, which is episode number two of of season one, and he, you know he has a pretty prominent role. After that, you're right. He's barely in it um in season two he he makes like a very fleeting appearance and stuff so it, he's 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 just it says six episodes really was he i suppose he was in a lot of first the first season five episodes he must have been half of them because he was hanging out with them a lot as well wasn't he justin he was i mean he's it, it's one of those things though he's there but i don't feel like his character has an impact on Dev's character development in a way some of the other characters like Arnold or Denise or Rachel or for that matter actually even Robbie who kind of really disappears in season two he's only ever the the party at Chef Jeff's house uh, yeah the, he's the only in one do. episode in season one as well though really isn't he I mean it's a big one because it's to do with the the TV execs and that email yeah, which is casting Indian characters yeah, which is as... hilarious oh my god what oh, a brilliant wow. what a brilliant episode season <laughs> That was one of the best things I've ever seen in it, my life. It was so good. Like again, like I said, for the Asian community, you, 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 it just hooks you. It just grabs you in. It just, it, all of those episodes, just like, wow, this is, I so relate to this, but obviously he's an actor and two of them. And then the guy that's just like, you know, got a body. <laughs> the, the, Part the, of my enemy, bro. Yeah, the bimbo. <laughs> He's just fucking hilarious as well. And he keeps talking to him because that's what the, that's what Asians do sometimes. They, they, they look for confirmation from someone. So he kept on com- looking to confirmation from him, wasn't he, when he was talking to him? <laughs> do you know this guy? No, never heard of him. He just kept asking the question. Oh, it's just, it was just funny. Sorry, Justin, but, um, I, 
I actually just have one quick Robbie thing. I couldn't stop laughing at the party at Jeff's, Chef Jeff's house with, yeah. <laughs> with him first coming in in a tuxedo and being confused for a winter. And then also handing out the business card that like doesn't fit in someone's wallet. Oh my god, it was so good, so so good. Uh, he was he was very good, Ruby, though, to be honest. And yeah. and as, like I said, though, they don't overuse the characters. There is impactful, bang bang, and look, we're talking about him because he was a he was a good character that that served his purpose. You know what I mean? Because that's a brilliant episode. Both of those episodes were great, actually, that he was in. So. Like I said, Brian wasn't very impactful, so let's move on to love interests. Uh, let's stick with Justin. The first season was Rachel. What did you think of her? Because she was obviously in the first episode with him. And at that point, you probably think, right, I'm never going to see her again. I mean, that's an awkward, awkward interaction when the first episode, the first thing you're seeing really is awkward. going out to have to go by plan B. <laughs> Like that's like like that's a situation nobody really ever wants to find themselves in to begin with. So it's a super awkward beginning where you're maybe thinking like, okay, so this isn't going to be a slapstick comedy because you can't start a slapstick comedy that way. Like that's some that's I mean I, I hate saying this because it's going to sound stupid and trite, but like accidental pregnancy or Plan B or that type of thing. That's some real life shit that nobody wants to deal with. Yeah, man, definitely. You just it's scary stuff. Especially the situation where his, you know, his condom breaks, obviously. So he's like, oh, shit. And then they're Googling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but because I did this before. And she's like, no. <laughs> but, so but, what, oh. but what she is, is she's actually like the exemplification of like, yeah, I guess Brooklyn circa 2015 to 2017 hipster attractiveness. Yes, definitely. She was, she was nice. I did think she was nice and she was, it was a nice character. And I just thought it was hilarious how he became like such a clean freak and everything, you know, in in his apartment. And that's where it kind of, he's, he's really anal about lots of things, isn't he? Dev Shaw. And that's where I think, things start to go bad for him but she was a great guy uh, jess what did you think of rachel it's funny when, when i watched the first season um i really liked her actually i thought she was kind of yeah, like just as right she's kind of that hipster ironic you know sarcastic kind of person for for large swathes of it but then it ends up all being really grounded in realism you know like you were saying dev becomes a bit of a dick about being clean in the apartment and stuff like that and they do start bickering a lot more and um that's very realistic you know when you move in with someone it's a huge shock for both parties because while one person is being very territorial about their place and the other one feels like they're just a guest who could be kicked out at any point and these are the kind of arguments that do happen in real life so um i think she got some great lines and she got some great screen time as well she does come into it quite late because i think she comes in from kind of the second half of the season onwards from nashville onwards i think um aside from that first episode but she she has a lot of great material um I mean, once we get to the other love interest in season two, then that one obliterates my memory of Rachel in pretty much every way. So, um, but but that, that those are my kind of initial thoughts on Rachel, I guess. Well, it's, it's interesting though because when she gets to Francesca, she also obliterates Dev's real knowledge or view of of uh, Rachel. I yeah. mean, in the season in the season two finale, he runs into her on the street, and he kind of forgets who Rachel like doesn't even notice her for a second. Yeah, it's mad. 
It's crazy. They did. They are uh, uh, totally like she was only in it for like what a minute or so, ninety seconds maybe, and he was zoned out, totally zoned out while he was talking to her. So very, very interested. I, I, I thought she was really good for the first season. Everything went. I think it really ended it in a in an interesting place when she ran off, you know, and like the the actor guy that he met when he was shooting the crazy movie, when he was a doctor, you know, the crazy scientist person, uh, mm. doctor or whatever, screaming that there's a virus. That guy he meets and he tells him, you know, oh, she's just run off to Japan. And he goes, wow, she really wanted to get far away from me. <laughs> like, <laughs> ouch, just like pierce my heart and like stab me. And poor, poor Dev, he's just like, he's got this baby face and these big eyes, hasn't he? At times when he's like really hurt. But um, yeah, I, I I thought it was really good. Let's move Justin straight to Francesca because she's hot, man. And not only that, that's her real accent. I love her. Uh, uh, how can anyone not love her? I'll, yeah. I will fight you both for her. I'll, <laughs> I'll put that right there. I, I guess my real question, though, about her character is how much about tile can one person possibly hear? Like, I would get. I, my girlfriend talks to me about work a lot, and I think it's very, very easy to get bored hearing about somebody else, even if somebody you care about's work constantly. And I remind her about that, and she and, and she yells at me for being an insensitive dick. But imagine if your entire world is tile. Yeah, you're gonna get bored, man, and that's why very bored. And that's why she kind of ended up falling for him because he was fun. And that's what she saw of someone who is always willing to go out. And I mean, what does Dev do in the two seasons? He goes out and eats. That is pretty much what Dev Shaw does. He, he, and in the second season, he does what? He hosts a TV show about cupca- a cupcake battle. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Hilarious. And it just, all the whole of his life is about food. And obviously, that's where he bumps into it. He bumps into it because he leaves America, uh, New York, sorry, at the end of season one, goes to learn how to uh, make pasta and stuff. And that's where he meets her in Italy. And I mean, Jessel, the start of season two is just amazing, isn't it? Like, you're just like, whoa, this is different. It really is. And it's heavily indebted to Italian cinema from the kind of, especially the kind of 60s era, I guess. And... um it's all shot in black and white, the first episode, and then it switches to color. And uh, there are so many lovely touches. I think it's even based on the bicycle thieves, the first episode. And, um, and the moment, I guess the moment you see Francesca, you're just kind of hoping she just lights up the screen and you're kind of hoping, please come back, please come back because she's only in it, uh, you know, for kind of fleeting moments in the first episode. And then in the second episode it gets a bit more. And, um, I, I think the, Italy episodes were done very well, especially the first episode. And then Arnold comes in the second one. And it, it, again, it's a bit more kind of, I guess, comic relief. And, and, and as Justin was saying, that kind of one really serious moment that he has. But as for Francesca, I mean, she takes over the season, to be honest. She, she dips out of it from episodes, I think, three to four or around that kind of time. But then after the, the second maybe half, more than just, that, maybe I, more than that, I think she's gone for three or four and then she pops up right towards the second half, like six. Yeah. She's back in six. But then they I think have... she comes, she comes in the dinner party and then it goes to New York. I love you. And then it, then she kind of comes back for like the run in. So yeah. yeah. And there's one episode that's actually an hour long, the penultimate one. It's yeah. actually 55, 60 minutes. Which is the one that's the pure romance one between the two when they're stranded 
and they're snowed in and all that stuff goes on and they, it just that was a very I found that's a, that was such a feel good kind of episode I don't know what you guys said Justin what did you think of that one because it was something different because they never got an hour because I was like whoa this should have finished ages ago and then I looked I was like whoa it's got another 25 minutes left <laughs> what's going on I, I think the hardest thing to do in, in anything television movies even literature is come up with an interesting way to keep two characters in one setting for a prolonged time because it's the easiest way to fail because I mean if you think about it if I mm. You know, think about, you know, with your, if gags, if you're at home with your, your wife and kids, or, you know, I'll, if I'll, I, Jez, I, I don't know about your, uh, your domestic situation, so I, I can't guess this, but I know my girlfriend and I are home, you know, on a day where it's snowing all day and we've been sitting there without anything to do, you know, we're not going to talk the entire time. Sometimes we're just going to stare at a TV, do nothing, and really not have very engaging conversations. Uh, so the ability to make that come across, as if it's organic and it's not, and it's, you know, it's not like manufactured being like, oh yeah, let's just put these two into a situation where there's nothing but sexual tension, but never have it slip over. It's, it's, it's difficult. So difficult, but they manage it and you feel like saying, just get together, will ya? But then they're doing these dancing things, you know, they're doing all these things while they're there and they can't sleep. It was just dead cute. I found that episode dead cute. I thought it was really good. Jess, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'll counter Justin's point a little bit because I think I think you're right if you're in a kind of long term relationship or anything. But these are the kind of the the initial flickers of the fire between the two, and um, there's a lot of sexual tension there because they haven't done anything yet. I mean, up till that point, they haven't even kissed or anything like that. So that's why I think it is you know taking back to when I used to be single and everything. Then it those are the kind of moments where you don't switch the TV on and just sit and binge watch Netflix, which is the kind of thing you do when you're married. If you were snowed in, it is romantic. You would stay up all night talking. You would do these kind of crazy things, or at least I used to, I guess, when I was young. But um, that's why I think it is so captivating. It really reminds me, a lot of it reminds me of one of my favorite films, which is it has Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy in it. So there's a trilogy called Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. And it's about this American guy and a French girl. And they meet on a train. And then you see them in nine-year intervals. And um, this is what I mean. It's got that. It's got a really kind of European experimental cinema feel to it at times. And that's why I think her casting was so great. I think... If she'd been an American actress, I, it could have worked perfectly well, but I think this brings a whole different dynamic to it. I don't know what you guys think about that. I totally agree. There's an um, innocence to her. There's also a vulnerability to her. She She's also somebody who wants to kind of leave the, her country. They, they, you know, yeah. if, she was, if she was American-based Italian, she'd be to New York, and there was that vulnerability about her that she doesn't know things in the city. So he was kind of like her guide as well. And he knows exciting places. I mean, she showed him one really nice place, didn't she? Upstate, where they went to this museum, outdoor museum type thing, which was a great. I think it was the same, same. It was the same Stork, episode. Stork, which, by the way, just a total aside. Yeah, anybody who listens one. to this, anybody who listens to this, who is in New York, if you have any period of bit of time, it's an hour and a half drive. Go there. It's amazing. It looked amazing. She 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 buries him in the leaves and all that, and 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 the surrounding area was. I mean, it was just gorgeous, Justin. Absolutely gorgeous. So, you know, she she knew little things. She she obviously researched some things, but on the most part, she she needed somebody. She was alone. So that vulnerability that comes across, like you said, she the, that character needed that. 
it needed that to say, look, I'm alone. Will you meet me for dinner? Will you meet me for this? Can we do this together? All that stuff. However, however, if I can jump in at that point, that's also the same kind of it's those are very feminine wild points. Why does she visit for a month if Pino is just going to go around tile manufacturers all the time? Because she wants to see Dev. Yeah. Why does she arrange these great things? And then she basically knows Pino's not going to make it so that she can spend time with Dev again. Mm. She keeps doing these things because she wants to see Dev. There's no reason on earth. You know, she's working at, at the, the pasta shop. There's no, why would she just jump off for a month just to be with Pino um, when he's just going to be working the whole time? It's an excuse because she wants to see Dev. Yeah, but it's like any story or any maybe Bollywood story that, <laughs> that first they don't, they actually seem like friends, don't they? They, 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 when you see the relationship start from the start of the season and then even in the middle of the season, you don't see the, the, you don't see the, the, the click. You don't, you just see that they're mates. And then slowly, it's so well developed that they keep meeting, that they keep meeting, and then Dev starts thinking things. Then you start seeing her thinking things, and the, you know the regular meeting. And then he goes to Arnold and speaks to him, you know, all that stuff. But for the most, for the for the first half, it was just mates. That's why well, she's I, engaged. Exactly, she, it was she, just it was exactly yeah. it was just mates. But they developed that really well. So, like, I know what you're saying. Why did she come for a month and stuff? But Maybe she just wanted to come and see her friend, you know, at times. But then it developed, I thought, because they were spending so much time together that there were then sparks. I mean, Justin, do you do you see that? Do you? I mean, Jess is coming from from a point of view that he thinks she kind of probably wanted that to happen. But I kind of saw it develop rather than force. I th- I think I saw it more developed. I, like it's the type of thing where. I think that it was already always there for him, but it just wasn't something that he had put A and B together and thought and realized in his head, like, oh, I do have these feelings for because that's that, that happens all the time with people where they they don't know they have feelings for someone until they actually kind of realize, like, oh, this is why I feel like I like being around this person this much, and I feel that's kind of how that happened, and you know, just being around her made him happier. And so I don't feel like it was at all forced. I think it's more of a developmental type of thing. And I think from her perspective, I think it's really similar too. of the more time they spent together, the more she realizes that I have these feelings for him because they wouldn't have spent that much time together. If there was, I don't think that there was any sort of implication of the fact that there's a quote unquote friendship, other than the fact that there's the language barrier in Italy that makes for cute misunderstandings. Yeah, I I just thought they were they were a perfect fit once they did match up. I thought it was really cute. It was done well. But um the other thing that I thought from him, and this is one of the episodes, the dating episode, um, I just thought was done so well. <laughs> like <laughs> going to Whole Foods, can I pick you up anything? <laughs> like that's actually tweeted a lot, you know. Loads of people are tweeting it and using it now. It's become kind of a thing. It's that's the power of a of a TV show, doing something that's quite funny, and like how he shows the woman checks his phone, and he goes, "I bet you say that to everyone." And she goes, "I bet you." And he goes, "No." And then all of his messages are the same thing, and he gets responses for all of them. <laughs> and just that episode meeting different people and how he meets that blogger, who he's actually a fan of, but she's dead like weird. And then, you know, she tells him she's got a boyfriend. He's like, what? Like, what the- Why who, who she met through the app. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is like, my, I guess the app is like a mock form of twi- of Tinder. Yeah, it's so funny, mate. So, such a such a good episode. Again, there were some belters, weren't there? I think that's one of the themes, isn't it? Technology in in uh, Master of None, es- especially kind of the interaction, but like how technology is a conduit between males and females, or or relationships in general. Yes. You know, you've got this kind of Tinder kind of copycat called Love at First Sight. In the first series, there were quite a few different references. You're constantly seeing texting on iPhones and things like yeah, that. Yeah, or... they're, they're texting each other when they're talking about tiles, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and like, what Arnold keeps sending gifts of himself with "Hi, cutie" and all this kind of stuff. It, it, but this is how people interact now. I mean, you know, me and my wife got together before Tinder existed, and thank god basically because i i i just i've never been single when tinder was a thing and it, it actually frightens me so watching all this vicariously i'm not you know it's kind of like it's quite an intriguing experience i guess um i don't know what, what justin's situation is like that but uh, i i met my girlfriend through online dating so i watched that episode saw the bad dates saw the good dates saw the amazing lack of saw the saw the you know when you're going in for something and the other person doesn't want it like that happens not awesome not cool to deal with not a lot of fun makes for a suit i mean having a super awkward 30 block cab ride home afterwards (laughs) really awkward i've never had that happen to me crazy Uh, it makes me glad that i'm no longer in the market and world of dating because (laughs) it's so awkward well i mean that's what kind of that's what it made it look like and i think that's what a lot of people at least the people who i know who are still single who you know date on the internet it they it really kind of is more like a like a meat market than it is a desire to actually meet someone who you actually you know want to spend time with to a lot of people fantastic you know what we're going to be running out of time so i know there's some things that we both want to talk about here yet can we just have a quick chat about their about his parents his real parents oh. that are actually in the show jessel quick words on the parents because they were fantastic i just love them so much i can't believe we've got this far without talking about them properly um they're just absolutely his father is just brilliant he's got such a sense of comic timing and flair and his mother is just the complete opposite Com- everything is just grounded and nothing is funny to her effectively and it's just so funny they just they're, they're not even like my parents but they remind me of my parents just really subtly like the kind of way that i disappoint my parents is just <laughs> it's it's just so akin to it how uh, you know you you kind of you love them they love you but yeah. they're still disappointed in you <laughs> yeah, like the ipad stuff's just hilarious you know when he's like can you fix my ipad iPad. No, I gotta go watch a movie, and then he just goes into flashback about when he's a kid <laughs> and how his toy was broken by his brother and all this. And what? I was like, "What the hell?" Like, it's just brilliant. He's great, though. He is. His dad is just so funny in all the restaurants, in everything. Mister Chow's, everything. Just, Justin, he nails it, doesn't he? I mean, I think the funniest part of any of them is when Dev goes with his father to work and sees the collection of things that Dev's father has pulled out of people's stomachs. <laughs> but if you, if, if you shove something up your own ass, you, you can keep that. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, and um, can we just discuss your fave scenes? If it one or two of your favorite scenes of the show, Jess. Oh, there are so many. Um I guess one of one of my favorite ones was episode seven of the first series, which was a kind of short little vignette where they've left a party. And uh, so Aziz and um, Arnold have left a party 
and they're just walking back really casually in the dark at night. And the one time they take a shortcut through a park and uh, Condola Rashad's character, um, she has exactly the same experience of leaving and everything, but everything is different for her because she's just shit scared at every single point. She's got her hand on her phone, like ready to dial nine one one and all this kind of stuff. And it triggered off this whole feminist aspect to the uh, to the episode. I just thought that was really clever. You don't really see that. You so you don't see the difference between how you know us guys can generally just walk around at night without too many worries. Brilliant, whereas for women, it is so different. So well done, wasn't it? I mean, I, I just love all the comedy, the comedy skip parts. They just make me laugh so much. Justin, you talk, you, t- you tell me what are your favorite, uh, um, scenes, sorry. I like any time that Aziz is confronted with Tickler's famous drummies. <laughs> <laughs> Even but, if he misses a plane. <laughs> yeah. Also, shout out to the restaurant that is really Tickler's famous drummies, which is Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Brooklyn, because it's really, really awesome. Wow. I, I like every time they're eating, every time he's stuck in pasta down his face, whatever. I absolutely love all those bits. And like the co-creator even said, you know, like it became, it became a, a huge character in the show became food. You know, food was like a major part of this show. No matter what anyone says, they were always munching on something or eating something or drinking something or whatever. It was you know, being at a restaurant was huge for this show. And it, it was so good. So so well done. And they, they really do make you hungry. I'm hungry now, man. <laughs> Jesus. It's, it was what, what 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 are your thoughts on that, Jess, about the food side of things? Yeah, I think I think there's two like you're saying, I think there's food and music and um the the food aspect is just overbearing. Like I was just salivating in every single episode pretty much. And music uh, I, I read an article of Pitchfork actually, they were talking about how um how interesting it is um the way that Master of Nine incorporates music and it's kind of realistic how we listen to it. And there are so many great songs as well throughout. It's just genius the way. Yeah, and, and, and he Return of the Mac came well, on at one point and I was like yes <laughs> and the Venga bus the Venga yeah. bus is coming I've had that song in my head for five days <laughs> I was trying to get rid of it thanks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it that even they had some Bollywood as well at some of the end of summer episodes you know it's just it's just really good they know they know exactly what they're doing because they've got the mix of the culture you know that, that both sides of it like Aziz has and it just, I just think, just really well done. It's perfect for someone like me, this show. And I'm actually quite sad that there's not going to be a, a third season for a long, long time, you know? I really do. And you're probably not going to get Chef Jeff in season three at all. No, not at all. <laughs> not after that. And Chef Jeff, what? what? <laughs> Talk to me about Chef Jeff, Justin, before we go. Because, again, a really good character. And he really made this season, I thought. with the, the, the f- Especially the food parts. He was another reason why the food was, 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 I don't know, just... You just wanted to eat. He was just so good at how he was acting with it and stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, they did a great job of... Uh, Chef Jeff's obviously, I think, just a mock-up on Anthony Bourdain. If, he, if, he's, if he's not, then it's, it's remarkable how they came up with something independently. But I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. So seeing Chef Jeff in there... I mean, I, I, obviously, they didn't need to put something to turn it into a drama because you knew the entire time that he was on screen that there was gonna, they were going to do something untoward with that character. 
Like, I felt like that was kind of scripted. He was always telling, you know, Dev to get in there, get in there, get in there. And if he wasn't going to get in there, he would. And then he'd just wink and move on. Do you know what I mean? He was, yeah. he, you could tell he was seedy, man. <laughs> you could tell. <laughs> Bobby Cannavale does that well in a lot of other TV roles he does. Uh, whether or not he's playing a psycho. he Actually, I think every other TV role I've seen him in besides Will and Grace, he's played an absolute psycho and done it really well. Yeah, he was great. Jess, what are your thoughts on Chef Jeff? Yeah, he was brilliant. He kind of reminded me of um, Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. It's kind of, kind of like you know, you, you don't you want you're willing to have a laugh with this guy up to a point, and you don't quite know where you stand with him, and he holds all the power. So Dev just has to be a little bit careful at times, and then suddenly um, he'll just explode and think, "Oh yes, this is the greatest idea. Let's do a show together," and all this kind of stuff. He, he was really brilliant, and he kind of helped move everything forward. Um, I mean, Dev's career doesn't get that much of a shout out throughout either uh, either season, really. But it goes, it's going to a really good place in this season. He's about to make it and then fucking controversy (laughs) at that talk show that they're on. Oh my God, like so awkward. And then it gets so raven. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) And I just love how he manages to confuse the words condemn and condone. Again, so well written, isn't it? So well written. Like just That is not a good turn of phrase. It was no. perfectly written though. Like you can it can happen to the, the guy who's nervous, who's shaking in on a in a public place, you know, like that on TV. You're like, Whoa. Okay, I could see it happening to someone like me, you know, saying the wrong thing. I just I you know, I just thought, Wow, amazing. Justin, before we go any thoughts on all the all the food places did you want to talk about? I've eaten a fair amount of them, but the one that I, the one that I actually the only one that I really have a thought on is the one where he takes his cousin, uh, who's actually his that's actually his cousin by the way. It's his cousin Harris that he does it that, that he does a, a lot of his bit about his older bit about is actually that's actually him. But the place that they go eat pork or turns out it's a sandwich place around the corner wow. for me that I've never, that I've that I've yet to try. Mate, and that was amazing. That was just I, <laughs> religion. What a it, brilliant episode again. They just. That was brave. That was brave. Oh, it is brave. Because he could get it, you know. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I can identify that with, too, because I come from a culture that doesn't eat oh, pork. Oh, yeah, of course. Yet. Yeah. I yeah. love pork. May, imagine, though, that he is an Indian Muslim, okay? And then he's lying about it to his family, you know? And then he. <laughs> And then he can't lie anymore. And then Tupac comes in with, only God can judge me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just, it's oh, so well but done. It is, but that's, I mean, and that goes back to that religion episode, which I also think is just phenomenal. And the whole food aspect of it, it kind of ties into, you know, and, and he says it to his father. It's, I get the aspect of religion. It has cultural value to me, to you, but it doesn't to me. The thing that has cultural value to Dev and allows him to identify with people his own age is actually food. 100%. That's his religion. Food yeah. is, food is his religion. He, he worships food. That is everything. And, and they go through that in terms of the, the storyline. So well written in terms of how he loves pasta in the first one. And then he starts, she gets him a pasta maker and then he makes the pasta. And then in, in the end, when he has to turn to something, when he's really down, he goes to Italy to make his favorite dish. You know, he goes to make pasta, goes to learn how to make it from fresh. So the whole of that story, and then it comes back into the season two where he's doing it. And then he comes back. It's just so well, I don't know. It's so well rounded, isn't it? 
they are they are they are pretty much geniuses in how they've done this show. I think. Allora. Ah, it's there finally. <laughs> Someone said it. Well, oh, well, Jessel, well. Allora. Well, we need to we need to finish up. But before we do, Jessel, is there anything that you think we've missed that we should talk about in terms of this show? Well, okay. Um, what about the ending? The the very final ending. Yes, we what must. Do you, talk what do you guys think about that? I've actually read quotes about it, so I can spoil what he said. But Justin, you go first. What do you think about the ending? I like a good cliffhanger. Yeah. It gives me a reason to watch into the next season. It's one of those things that I've I've grown to. Uh, I grew to originally hate it with some TV because I remember two of the first shows that I really obsessed about were Twin Peaks, which was a little before my time. But then I kind of watched it later in my teenage years and into the beginning of beginning of college. And then The Sopranos, which you know, start The Sopranos came off the air when I was eighteen years old and finished in my mid twenties. And I'm just I'm they both showed me that you don't need to tie up everything so nice and neatly for it to be entertaining. Like, you know, we all have imaginations and maybe we should allow those to carry on after the, after the last, after the credits have rolled. Yes, for sure. And obviously a lot of us want to believe that it's not the end. So, I mean, Jessa, what are your thoughts on the ending? What do you actually think? Are they together or, and let's just say, let's spoil the ending. Basically she's decided to go back to her fiance, Pino, what a great name. After kissing Dev, that is, and all that great romantic episode they had. And then she's gone back, and then he's kind of just lumbering around, like Justin said earlier, uh, bumps into his old girlfriend. He's found the number as well for the other one, for the one that he met in, in, in Italy. Sarah. Yes. Yes. So all that's kicking off. He's thinking, right, you know, another, there's always another avenue. And then all of a sudden, she's in bed with him right at the last credit, last scene. Before it fades to black, is they're both facing each other in bed or turn to each other in bed, and then you think, "Ah, eh? what?" So, you know, what do you think, Jess? Yeah, I, I kind of like it when it's left open to interpretation. So I, I don't know the kind of spoilers about what he said or anything like that. But well, he's saying pretty much the same as what you just said there. He just said that we wanted to do something. Uh, for one, he doesn't know when there's going to be a season three. He doesn't even know if there's going to be a season three because of his life, as in. He has nothing now to write. He has categorically stated he has nothing to write for season three. He has to experience new things to be able to write a season three. So that tells me it's nowhere near coming. So what are they going to think about in terms of it as a writer? You're going to leave it open, aren't you? And if it's never coming back, leave it open where it can either be good or bad. So it can either be a dream that they're facing each other or she's dumped her boyfriend uh, sorry, her fiancé, to be with Dev. So he's just said, we wanted to leave it open to interpretation, uh, open to your imagination, like you just said, and what Justin just said as well. So both of you spot on in terms of what Aziz actually wanted, is that he just wanted it to be for you to think about and, and, and debate. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, which, which again is something that exactly the same happens in um, Before Sunset. I, I really think they must have watched this that, that film when kind of creating this season. There's so many similarities, even the way she talks and stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that trilogy, but I'd highly recommend it. It's it's really excellent. I, I've seen it, and I would underscore that uh, underscore that highly. There's, there's, there's stuff like um, Woody Allen stuff in this. There's First Date. There's Dario Argento. There's... there's um, Loads of films from Italy that they've kind of looked at. Uh, Bacon and God's Wrath, uh, Bicycle Thieves that you mentioned earlier. Big Night. Uh, yeah, and then they've uh, also kept 
the, the, the mentions to comic books and stuff, Captain America, stuff like that. They basically tried to cover so much, you know, Goodfellas. Um, I've read something in an article where they are basically the way they've shot a few scenes where he's walking through restaurants or in bars and stuff is similar to what they did in Goodfellas where you're following them, you know, right on their shoulder. Yeah. So they've tried to, like you said, they try to take a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, the cinematic feel is totally different to what you'd normally see on TV. I think it's totally different. So yeah, I think, I think Netflix enables that as well. You know, they probably, I don't know how much they paid him, but it, it was probably quite a lot really. Yeah. And he's directed some of it. So it's their ideas, which is great. But okay. Thank you guys. Is there anything else, Justin, before we go that you think we haven't covered? No, I think, I think we've, uh, I think we've covered, I think we've covered what we need to. And anybody who wants to discuss this with us, you know, we're on Twitter. You you can find avenues. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Just the last one. Anything else? No, I'm in total agreement with Justin. We could pick apart every single part of this, but I think there comes a point where you just have to watch this and enjoy it, basically. Yeah, you've got to. There's so many other... There must be smaller characters that we've not gone into, um, especially from the first season as well, earlier on. But I think the main ones we've covered, we've covered definitely covered the top seven or eight people that are in this show, for sure. So, um, thank you so much, uh, Justin and Jess. Uh, Justin and Jess. Uh, there could be a cooking show as well. Uh, <laughs> Justin, anything you want to plug before you go? No, no, I'm actually really not working on, on very much right now. Uh, yeah, busy, busy with, busy with work. So the free time to do American a lot of podcasts. Soon. It, it will happen after the, it will happen after the season. Uh, oh, I, I would like to make sure that, we have top four, so my my <laughs> consistent positivity through the season can carry into the off season. Good man, good man. And Jess, will we be hearing more from you on AI? I hope so. I hope so, Gags. I hope the feedback is good. Yes. Um, people can catch me uh, at Jessel TV for everything, which is J E S A L TV. So that's Twitter, Facebook, um, my website, all that kind of stuff. The only difference is my Instagram handle, which is Nipples and Toes twenty three. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'll need to go and check if that actually exists. No, I won't. It does. It does <laughs> exist. Yeah. I'll make sure. I'll make sure I, I get you a, a really specially made chocolate milk if, if we ever meet up in real life. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Justin, uh, wait, what's your Twitter handle, mate, for everybody? I'm, I'm at Rolls on Shabbos. Uh, it's a big Lebowski reference. I am not a religious Jew. Okay, cool. And also, you can find me on at Gagstandin at on the box at Anfield Index. And that pretty much everything else. There's so many. If you want to talk to us, you can always contact us on all of those. There's also a Facebook page now, facebook.com forward slash on the box. You can follow that. The, the pod will be shared there too. And also news and everything new. It's something that we've just kicked off. It's doing well. If you can go and follow that or give it a like, we'd appreciate it. Engage with us. That would be even better. Thank you so much for listening. The last few pods have done fantastically well. Really appreciate all your support. One thing we do ask for is feedback. So if you're listening, please do just drop us a tweet. These guys are giving up their time. You know, we've all done it as well. You know, I've, me too. Um, we, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to give you a retweet and, um, and have a discussion. No problems at all. And this one's a bit more of a better feel than the last one, which was 13 Reasons Why. So if you have seen that show, you haven't, go and check it out. There's so many more. Westworld, Stranger Things. Oh my God. We've covered pretty much 
uh, loads. And I think we're going back in time for a bit of Friends and Lost in the next few weeks. So those are also coming up, so we won't forget the old ones. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my great guests. Go and watch Master of None, one of the best shows out there. Thank you. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.